This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cammie here. Well, I got a Christmas tree. Katie and I went at basically the middle of the night <laughs> because we didn't want there to be a zillion people there. We got a Christmas tree, and I hope it lives. I hope it lives at all. Uh, but it's really making me feel cheery. I also want to say that somebody sent me a message that I should spell patreon.com which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash hey h-e-y queeros q-u-e-e-r-o-e-s they were spelling it with queeros with with no e hey hey queeros with no o-e-s anyway what i'm trying to say is why do i keep talking about patreon um Y'all have, you all have supported this show enough um, that I can up Sierra's pay a little bit and make it a little bit more fair. Um, And she does such an amazing job helping to produce this podcast. It's really wonderful to be able to do that. And I also want to say we added, somebody suggested that we add a $1 uh, patron tier. And so there is a $1 patron tier. And you could just be a friend of the pod. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate all of the folks that have donated. Uh, it was an experiment to, to start this thing. I don't even know if we will continue to do it, um, but it is helping. It is helping to be able to, you know, pay Sierra fairly and uh, to continue to run the podcast, even though, you know, we're not in a studio and I'm at my house. So y'all have made that possible. Thank you for that. Today's episode is a wonderful chat with Tania Miller, an awesome actor. She's in The Haunting of Bly Manor, but she's but you should check out all of the stuff that she's done. Um, and uh, the conversation was going really, really well. And then she's in London and there was a giant power outage and we barely got her back on. Uh, so it has like a little bit of a bump at the end. But what I'm trying to say is, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do any of this. I'm doing a zillion jobs that I don't know how to do right now. Um, like, for instance, talk to people from London. But I can't believe that I can do it. Isn't that like kind of a, just shocking? Poor Matt and Jordan. Matt is another producer on the show. Jordan records this. Um, our awesome sound engineer. They had to come on and like essentially tell me how to plug a microphone into my laptop. Like I, it's, I function as an adult sometimes. But it's been truly amazing having their help. And thank you for your support of the show. Please enjoy this episode. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on. Darling, I know, I know, I know it's careless. I have to say, this is an awesome shaft. Is it like a crushed silk or something? Oh, no, it's just like a, you know, like a cotton. I get super hot. So I just wear like a short sleeve shirt. It is cotton all year round. All right, don't show off. Don't show off. It's bloody bastard freezing here. It's like six freaking degrees. It's pissing down, raining dogs and cats. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's, 
Well, it, you know, I live in, I live, I live kind of in the base of the mountains. It's not like so hot here, but. Whereabouts are, are you then? Are you, uh, you're in LA, right? Yeah, I live, I live, I, I recently moved just outside LA. I live um, in the foothills of the Angeles National Forest, which is really cool. Nice. Cause I've been looking in that area as well. You know, just the just outside of you know the hub of Los Angeles, um, particularly the canyons and stuff. To uh, yeah, to uh, to find somewhere to live, in house hunting. Um, well, that is amazing news. Wait, first, I wanted like to ask you to introduce yourself. I always have guests introduce themselves. Okay, dokie. Um, I am Tania Miller. What else did I say, Cam? <laughs> oh, you could say anything you want. I mean, first of all, I just like to hear how people choose to introduce themselves. But the part of the reason that we're talking today is because we've been trying to get hooked up to record, even though you're in London. Yes? Yes. And I am in LA. I just found out that we're eight, we're eight hours apart, but you were, um, you had a huge, awesome people thought it was great role in the haunting of Bly Manor, which is a show I cannot watch. <laughs> oh, can why baby? Talk to I me. St- I told them, um, <laughs> at pre, I, you know, I went, I, I was honest with all publicists involved. Um, cause I'm scared of everything. <laughs> I'm enough. scared of everything. I will say normally in a different time, what I can do, how I can watch super scary things is I research the plot. Mm-hmm. So I know I saw it. So there's no twists and turns. Then I watch it on mute with subtitles, maybe on an airplane or somewhere public so that I don't have to be an early in the morning. So I have a full day before, oh, <laughs> you know, and that's this is a method that works for me. But we're but we're in a different time right now. There's no airplane to get on. This is true. This is true. You can't go to a coffee shop. I'm watching on you, you know, you're, you're mad no, because yeah. something. This is very, this is, and if you're living alone, you know. Oof. And the word haunting is right there in the title. It's and so I a- know <laughs> I'm always, I'm lightly haunted to begin with. Like that's just how I am on a regular day. So I have to, I have to say no, no, that's no, no. Hilarious. But that's I mean, not you. It's a bit of a giveaway. You- well, didn't um, it's becoming a little bit more me as I get older. I'm just a bit more sensitive. Someone wanted to show me a scar they had. I someone, met a friend of my friend up in the, in the pub this afternoon, and uh, she wanted to show me a scar. She's like, "Oh, I had I've had surgery too." And she's like, "Do you want to?" And I was like, "No, I don't want. I don't want to see your scar." Whereas you know, years ago, mm-hmm. I've been, "Oh, let's have a look," and you know, I want to see with the stitches in and what the graphic detail. And now I'm just a bit like, "Oh no, no, thank you." I'm becoming a bit more sensitive. I actually. I could deal with a scar. By the way, also aliens, fine. I'm fine with scars and aliens. <laughs> Real medical things, fine. You could. Aliens, fine. <laughs> For me, it's more like, it's if somebody was like, do you want to come to my home and meet my ghost? I would say, first of all, that is breaking quarantine rules. Second of all, no. <laughs> and don't ever tell me about this again. I want to know. I want to know. You, you and your ghost, no. because you can, you can do that all by yourself. Uh, I have but to you say, it's not really you... scary, though, Cam. The haunting is a bit of a, I know, it's it's a bit of a red flag. It's, um, yeah, it's not really scary. It's more of a gothic romance. And I think that's how Mike would put it. It's very different. Hill House is scary as shit. Can I swear? I but there's, but there's like a, there's a home that people live in that has dark corners. There's lots of dark corners and there's lots of things in those dark 
corners that I can't even the conversation we're having right now <laughs> is almost too much for me. <laughs> oh, being I hear you. I hear you. No, I, 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 I'm I... a thrill seeker. I am a thrill seeker. So, oh yeah, you know, I do like the roller coaster rides, and I'd love to. I haven't been, but I'd love to go skydiving and. And I love a supernatural. It's my favorite genre of horror because it could possibly be true. See, this is <laughs> why. See, see, you've named why it's not okay. Other things that are not okay, I'm fine with like a real medical thing. But if somebody has been abducted and then experiments are happening to them by a serial killer, you know what I'm talking about. That's also not okay for me because that also could happen. That, yeah. That's not okay. That's not okay. Yeah, sorry that's, I brought that, that up. That, that, that's actually, that's even worse. I'd rather a ghost. Give me the ghost any day. Circular, experimenting. Mm-mm. Sorry, mm, I'll, I'll not, face the ghost. Not. Me and the ghost can have tea. Okay. You know. Got it. <laughs> All right. Well, so you, so that is, it, it is true also what you're saying about the the thrill seeker, like personality. I think that's a whole part of what we're talking about here. And I hate roller coasters. Do um, you? Yeah, why? I mean, it's okay. So, when did you discover? I know. When did you discover that you hated roller coasters? Were you a child and went on my shit? No, why? Oh my god, no. So, like, you know, I think like gender wise, I as a little kid was always trying to pretend that I was like a tough guy. I mean, it's like still sort of sometimes I am having a very stern face, but I'm five four. So, I think how I think of myself as like don't fuck with me. Like, I, like it's, that's not, I don't think that has anything to do with how other people are receiving me. First of all. <laughs> I'll just say that. But like, you know, it was the kind of thing where like, I felt like a real tough guy, but then I'd go to like an amusement park on a class trip. And just, there was one roller coaster we were really supposed to go on. If you're like, cool, you're supposed to really go on this. Yeah. It's a wooden roller coaster. Ooh. It's called the Eagle at, Six Flags Great America, and you're supposed to wait in line and go out and everything. And I waited in line with all of my friends, and they all got on the roller coaster. And I began to sob and stepped over the cars and got into the like exit line and was like, God, I cannot, I cannot go with you. But Godspeed. It's you know, so you actually didn't even do it. It's not like you had a bad experience. You just went, no. that doesn't make any sense. It's too high I don't up. Like I like it. Being, they have bones yeah. and break. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, I had to wear glasses. And when I did go on a roller coaster, you know, it's like at the time, you'd have to like take them off and like hold them in your hand because they could like fly off of your face kind of a thing. So oh, shit. And so you can't see. Just and a little. Off. You can't hold on to anything else. Uh, you know, can I feel your pain? When did you know you were a thrill seeker? When did you know this about you? Oh, God, this is going to sound really sadistic. Um, I think it probably started as a young child. And when I say young, like two, three years old, according to my mother. And I would stick pins, like the nappy pins, into like my mum or my auntie's bottom just to watch their reaction. That's really bad. I know that's really bad. Uh, so I was always wow. like keen on seeing people's reaction and I got a thrill from it. God, I sound like a sociopath. Thank God I came from a really great matriarchal loving family. God knows what happened. Um, yes. What would their reaction have been? I mean, it was 
it was laughter mainly, a scolding and laughter, like this child, she's so naughty. And of course I kept doing it because I would get that reaction, right? Um, and then I think it went to, was it Chessington World of Adventures, which is a little sort of, it's sort of half safari, lions and, you know, wildlife and uh, half adventure playground. Oh, what do you guys call it? Amusement parks. Amusement parks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I had a, a whale of a time. I think I went on a school trip. It was a school trip. Um, yeah. And so I was always, and going to the fairground as a kid and being so high up and feeling invincible. Of course we're not, but all children believe they're invincible. Well, some children clearly don't, but right. I did. See, that's I, what I was, was going to say. Yeah. You know, that's that's like, I think, a really interesting way of like breaking it down is I don't think I felt invincible as a kid because no, I, you were saying you were clearly a sane child i was an insane child i just told you <laughs> i stuck big needles into no, bottoms. <laughs> but that is also interesting that you that you got a laugh yeah what what interesting i mean that, that just could have so easily gone a different way right yeah you got a laugh like what is this child doing like <laughs> you know the owl and then the does, laugh and then the, you mustn't do is, that is that the kind of parenting that you got sort of across the board? This like, it sounds very nurturing to me. And oh, like, yeah. And sweet. I it's pretty sweet. Yeah, I come from a massive family of a really matriarchal family um, where the men sort of just think that's why I'm, I'm a leser. Um, the men sort of sit down, do as they're told, and the women rule the roost, you know? And and they do so, take on some of those traditional roles in, sort of, in terms of housekeeping and, uh, you know, doing the cooking. We had big cook-ups and every Saturday in the whole community because there wasn't a lot of black spaces for black people um, in... And when I was a child growing up in the 80s, to convene. And so my grandmother's house was the party house. So there'll be smoking mm. marijuana and um, they can't get charged now, they're far too old and one's dead. Um, but they were smoking marijuana and playing dominoes and drinking rum. And there were a lot of people who didn't have the means to, to financially support themselves. So times are hard. I come from a working class background. And so my now grandma would have these big, massive catering pops or food of rice and peas and the chicken and the hams and you know fish and and ground provisions and everyone would just come in and everyone would get a plate of food and they would dance and they would drink and they would catch up and they would talk politics and um and so and then the kids were at the epicenter of that all the kids would come over as well and we were just we were champions as children Uh, and there was discipline but it wasn't a discipline of I'm so scared of being punished and I'm so scared of being grounded or, or, or being beaten or anything like that. It was more, I am afraid of upsetting the elders because I don't want to see them upset. You, you know? Wow. Yeah, it was inc- incredible. Uh, quite incredible. Not from my lived experience, no, yeah. but I hear what you're describing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem with that is that you grow up to be a people pleaser. So there's, you know, there's a mm. balance. So you kind of have to mm. find, find the balance. My mother, grandmother used to say to me, you see, you, I'll say it to you, you give away your arse and shit through your ribs. And for those who don't understand patchwork, it's you will give away your arse and take a dump through your ribs because you give everything away and then you're left with, <laughs> with nothing. <laughs> where, yeah. where, where was this all happening geographically? This it, like In East matriarchal... End of London. In London East End, where I speak like that. <laughs> And is that, have you lived in London your whole life? Yeah, yeah, I have. 
yeah it's a great city Indeed. i love it but it's cold and i'm ready to leave <laughs> oh yeah i mean i've only been to london as a visitor and i it's amazing yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing awesome. city. there's no other place like it in the world i don't think in terms of its community and the people that are here i live on a tiny little road in crystal palace um at the top of the hill and uh I think there's probably 10 languages, different languages on within the first 10 houses, you know, it's I've been to, it's I've, crazy. yeah, I've been to Crystal Palace. How are you? Um, Yay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Performed out there. Um, do you find, cause you were talking about, you said when you were growing up that, that there weren't a lot of black spaces in the, like around where, besides the home. Do you find that to be different today or what is the, what's your, what's your vibe on that? There's a real mix. There are, there are space. I mean, there's also, there were, for my parents' generation, the grandparents' generation, there weren't those places. And so they had, so they made their sense of community. By the time I was a child, there were plenty of, there were, there were, well, there were enough, there was enough choice. There was, there were those spaces for me to go to, certainly. Um, but it was more my parents' and grandparents' generation that they didn't have their clubs. They didn't have many you know I remember my grand my uncle my great uncle saying he was kicked off the bus and he had to walk from the west end to the ends of north London because he wasn't allowed on the bus because he was a black dude um at like one o'clock in the morning and it was snowing and you know you know so that was their experience so they built these sense of communities and the home a bit like quarantine life they that's the life they lived in yeah but now there's such a even in the language when you listen to some of the young people speak you can hear the influences of the um, Eastern European culture. You can hear the West African culture, the Caribbean culture, the South Asian, Pakistani, Bengali culture mixed into this one language that we call English. Um, but it's a distinct type of, of, I can't remember, L-L-M-L-E, I can't remember what it's called. But it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I think I don't hear that anywhere else in the world. I don't see it anywhere else in the world that, it's yeah it's, it's a beautiful thing um so there's spaces for everyone not enough spaces for some communities but there's certainly spaces for everybody yeah and i don't know why this is true because i definitely have talked to people from england within the last year but i'm just realizing that i've never asked anybody what the feeling is right now in terms of brexit like like because of what you're talking about and that being what I have seen, it's, it's, it's a, it's that thing of like trying to, I mean, obviously I'm not saying anything new, but it's like trying to unmix a stew. It's like, yeah. I, this is already everything. And it, that, you know, that's how it feels here too, or that's how it feels to me yeah. here. But I like, I'm curious as to what it feels like for you right now, thinking about something like that. Dude, being from London, growing up there. I mean, I'm still. I know it's happening, but I'm still in disbelief. Like that it's that it's that actually that's actually happening. And London is very different to the rest of England. London is autonomous; it's its own world within, you know, own country within a country. I think, um, and as is the demographic and the mindset, it's to be from London. Is not literally just being born here. It's, I think being a Londoner is a mindset rather than a location, per se. Um, and I think you know most of London voted that we should remain, and 
people, I think, are sort of devastated by it, but are sort of doing the very British thing of soldiering on. Um, but really, we don't really understand or really know what that's going to look like until it actually happens. There have been a lot of people who have just said, you know what, fuck it, and left. People from, from Europe um, have just gone, and that's sad. And I think when we, when we come out of... What's interesting is that we've had corona, so we haven't really been able to see how it actually would affect us in what that normal was, you know, right. in terms of right, right, right. mixing and socialising and, and seeing an absence of those people who were here um, and who have decided to go home now. Um, so on a day-to-day, I don't really know what that looks like yet. And hopefully, hopefully enough people will still stay here that we, so that London can still be, you know, London. Yeah. It's bullshit, man. Yeah. Oh. Brexit I'm, is a whole heap of bullshit, but hey. Yeah, I mean, you know, in some ways I can really relate to the idea of being in the place that didn't want this thing that's happening. You know, I think that that's a lot of what the last four years felt like for, certainly for me as a queer person. Yeah. You know, and living in the U.S. just being like, literally what like i mean i there's no there's it's not that i can't understand how or why because like i fully you know it's just like oh racism you know like it's like that it's like not confusing how Mm. or why Mm. but it is sort of this feeling of like um just being so out of step with what seemingly other people you know, want or would choose. And it's so cool. Yeah. Like I just, okay. You know? And so, yeah. Um, I have a lot of compassion for what you're talking about. That's, that's fucking tough. What's really sad as well is that those people who did vote to leave were sold a lie. It's middle England. And it's, it's, well, same middle it's, it's same fine, yeah, exactly. It's exactly the same. It's those who are the same size, those without education, those who don't have access to a wider community, you know, and they just sold this freaking lie. And then they realize they've been lied to, but the decision has already been made, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so those people are, are really, um, really feeling it actually. It's like a double blow uh, for them. Uh, yeah. Um, there have been some regrets of those who made the, that decision. But I think politics, politics are politics, man. It's all, it's all, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really do. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm one of those people that I vote because just in case, but I really think they just put the puppets in power that they want in, pu- that they want in power. And the place, the people who have the real power, we don't know they're faceless. They're absolutely faceless, you know. And yeah, so I'm a bit of a conspiracy. I don't disagree aspect. with you. Yeah. But- <laughs> Well, to me, it's actually, I, I fully see it that way too, but I, I also don't, I don't see that as inherently negative. Like I'm, when I, when I think about who you're voting for as, you know, for as president here in the U S it's like, you're actually voting for the people that are going to work for them and those people caring about keeping their jobs. So like voting for Joe Biden actually means that like, someone in his cabinet is going to like have to care about the environment in order to like continue to be employed. So it's not necessarily like that anybody delivers a hundred percent on what they're promising, but more so like who can be lobbied by whom, you know, like it's like a, it's a, you know, you break it down and exactly. it's like, what conversations are going to happen and 
you know, for in the U.S., we've been like sort of having a lot of conversations or it seems like to me the conversations that have been happening behind closed doors are specifically about enriching one family, the Trump family, and they're like real estate futures you know mm. like that's what our country is currently mm. um doing globally like that's those are some of our top uh goals and so it just would be really exciting for there to be any different goals than that yeah like just anything, anything else, please. more hotels for this one family <laughs> just anything oh, besides that would be great yeah he's a bit of a narsal isn't he you know. Oh, I would say uh, a, fu- a fully embodied asshole. Right. Just one big asshole. Yeah. Well, you were, t- so you were talking about, um, you know, thinking of relocating here. To I know. And I was going to do when Trump was in power. So that's just, I mean, just one, you know, out of the, what's it, out of the pot into the frying pan, or out of the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> but it's yep. just that you guys have sun, basically, you know. We do. We do have some of that in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yes. And there's work and there's sun and there's mountains and there's sea. And yeah. So, yeah. So, in Los Angeles. so I'm hoping I was house hunting in March. And of course, I came over to L.A. in March and a week after I got there, it shut down. It was actually a nice respite at the time. <laughs> but it, <laughs> did, it did mean the house hunting didn't go underway. And of course, now borders and who knows what's going to happen? I mean, it makes it forces one to be present, which is a good thing. But it's sort of like playing it by ear. When when will that happen? And uh, you know, and it's really kind. Of, it's kind of expensive. Los Angeles is people say London is expensive. Los Angeles is hella expensive, man. Yes, it is. Yeah, mm. we're having like a huge housing crisis. It's crazy. Um, yeah, it is. It really is. I mean, I think that the for me, I think something will have to give eventually because it just is, you cannot have a, you cannot have cities that people can't live in. You know, there has to be, well, maybe this is just me being naive, but there has to be a change that happens eventually. I, I don't know. I don't know. I look at London and the modern what's going on here. Because London is becoming ridiculously expensive. People, you know, young people are living with their families at home because they literally cannot afford to move out that if you're in a certain bracket I think America's worse where you've got people working full time and living in their cars and you know four days and being late on the rent and you're evicted I mean that's just ridiculous um perhaps you're hungover you're partying or something you know I don't know it just seems ridiculous that you're going to try and evict someone after four days of being late on the on your rent um but the way London's going that they're pushing people to move to the suburbs you know and those people I mean, those jobs, there are, uh, there are our, uh, the people that keep the city going. They're your cleaners and your drivers and people who work in shops. And, you know, it's that, that employment bracket. Um, and I think, and, and so Londoners then remain for the wealthy and the rich. So it's, it's just becoming far more Trakensian. And because it's a growing population, instead of keeping them in like places like East London or certain pockets of London, they want that housing. They want that real estate now. So let's just bust everybody in to come and work 12-hour days. They'll go home knackered. They'll sleep. They won't have to think. They won't have time to think about what themselves or any dreams and aspirations because they're just trying to keep a freaking roof over their head. And they'll bust them back in. And, you know, and there's the life of proletarian. It's literally 1984 playing before our eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I Well, so you said you grew up, 
you know, working class. And then you're describing this situation that, you know, I think is happens here as well. But yeah, for sure. You know, so how are you? What happened for you that you ended up in a creative field? The matriarch. The matriarch, where I come from, I was, uh, I was, the values are restored to me that you can be or do whatever you want to do in life. You know, um, my mother's generation, everyone was, you were told at school that you, nursing was the only option as a black person, nursing was, she wanted to go into banking and, and they said, no, 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 you, you won't be able to do banking, you'll have to be a nurse, we'll have to do this. So there were only certain options that, that were sold to her, that were acceptable as a woman, as a black woman, a woman of colour at that time. And so she was adamant that I would be able to do whatever, as her first put child, whatever I wanted, and she would support that. And, and she did. They did. So what did that look like for you? Did you <laughs> I mean, I took start the, when you were young? Yeah, I mean, I took the rather traditional route. Mum didn't know. She's like, she always says, oh, I wish I, I wish I'd have known. I would have done this and I would have done that. Um, but I, you know, I did some after school classes and then I went off and I did A levels and uh, you guys call it, I know what you call it, high school. Or, and then I went to mm-hmm. uni, to drama school. Um, so I took quite the traditional routes. I mean, I've had some stops and turns in the way because I was, I was an A class student until my last year of secondary school and I discovered sex and alcohol and raving. <laughs> And I literally played truant the whole year to the point my mother got a fine um, and actually lied on my, I lied, oh my God, I probably shouldn't say this, but I did. Anyway, I lied on my university application. Don't think it probably matters now. And I'm like, what grades did you get? And I was like, oh, I'll just put a C for that, um, an A for that, a B for that, a D for that. You know, I literally left uh, school with one GCSE, which was an A in drama. I didn't go to any of my other lessons. I think I went to my maths because my mum would say, you really need maths. I went to my maths, sat down for about 20, 30 minutes and didn't understand the paper. Went, oh, this is, sod this for a game of soldiers and left and went over to Hackney and hang out with, was driving mopeds through the park um, when I should have been in my maths exam. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it was a bit naughty, a little bit naughty. Um, yeah, but apart from that, I, I, I got married to a man um, that obviously was never going to work. Uh, I had two children, so that was nice. Uh, got that out of that relationship. Not much else. Um, yeah. And then went off to grammar school, having had two kids and a mortgage. It started very young. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. You had kids very young. Yeah, like super, super, super young. Yeah. Much to my wow. parents' I... dismay. But I did it. I'm so glad I did because had I got to my like my 30s or late 20s and decided to have kids, I'd be like, Mm-mm, not for me, you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad I did it when I did. They're here and they're great. And now we can like listen yeah, to the same I- music and dance together and, you know, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that it becomes a – it's odd also because for me, you know um, – like it will have to be a really planned choice. Like it's not, it's not just going to like, I'm not married to a man and a young person that like, I'm. it's just not going to like happen. Like it's going to yeah. have to be like, I'm going to have to be like, today is the day. And I <laughs> yeah. just really think that is like something that maybe humans are like not meant to decide that purposefully. Like it, like 
I think that uh, the human race has benefited in some ways from like accident or romance and happenstance. Because if you have to actually choose like today is the day that I would like my finances, my social life and like Mm -mm. everything else to change. Like it's today. I think that's, I think that's a big big choice. Yeah, exactly. And also what if I'm bad at this? You know, you're just like, because when it involves so much effort, it just makes it, um, it makes it a really tough choice. When you got to think about it, that's what I'm saying. I'm so glad I had, if I, (laughs) if I had been on sane mind and I really mean it, if you were on sane mind and you decide to have kids, Hats off to you, because it is, yeah. you, you know, you're responsible for bringing a whole entire life and nurturing it and making sure they turn out to be decent citizens of the wider community of the world. You know, like, I know I fucked my kids up in some ways. I'm, like, I'm sorry, I'll, I fucked you up, but I have fucked them up in some ways. And it's inevitable being a parent. You get better at it the more you have, I have to say, like. The second one is far more level-headed than the, the first one is wild. Like, he's just wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? He's a great kid, but he's yeah. wild. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, you have to be a... Uh, I think you have to be, like, a martyr because it's totally selfless. You know, like, my ego will never get massive because they will always be me down to check, you know? They will always get me down to check. <laughs> yeah. But they're such a joy. The only thing that on a bad day, when everything seems so freaking glum, that put an internal smile in your face. There's a, there's a happiness, an indelible happiness that cannot be moved in being a parent. And now y'all are in a situation where you are very uh, closely quartered. How is that going? I want to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> No, yes. It's nice to be with them, but we're all sort of, I'm, like I said, when I said I was going to move into Los Angeles, like, y'all have the house. My son has his own place. My daughter uh, is at home. Um, although he hasn't been home in about eight weeks. He came for a visit and he's still here eight weeks later. <laughs> um, and so it's fun. It's really lovely that we get to eat together, play together. Um, but in the same breath, it's like we all, all of us need our space. My daughter cannot wait till I leave, until we all leave, because she'll be the only person that has. And my mum's here as well. My mum got caught up, and so she's here as well. So it's very full house at the moment. Um, and yeah, my daughter just kind of cannot wait for us all to leave. And I'm like, yeah, y'all have the house. I'm going by. Um, but it's nice for the moment. I'll enjoy it for the moment, knowing that it will end at some point. Oh, I'm ha- I'm having a hard time reminding myself that that's true. To be honest, that it's going to end. I, like I, yes, yeah, I know, right? But when is it going to end? Just, well, I also feel like my, I feel like my, I've like fully acclimated to this in a way that I. It's not like I'm like loving it, but I just feel like it's like this is life now, and I I almost wonder if it's going to be so difficult to go back the other way. I had to go to like pick something up yesterday, and um had one of those interactions where like a man says something to you that he doesn't need to say like for instance i was like oh i need to actually add one thing to this order and a dude that is that i've never met that has nothing to do with anything Mm -hmm. that's like talking to another guy just says there's like three of us it's the person who's handing me this order me and then two random dudes who are talking to each other and this guy turns to me and goes you can't add anything it's too late 
like just you know sometimes a man thinks Man's I <laughs> I need to be important in this moment and well, I know we don't know each other but um I'll just say nothing for no reason like mm-hmm. I like this is <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. and I um I just like ign- I just was like oh I forgot about this like I forgot like I I wish I had said that to his face that's the only thing I would do different. Yes. If I could go back and say, and say oh, I forgot about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, just like turn around and walk. <laughs> I forgot that like, you know, so anyway, um, I do think that the being, the isolation stuff is making me batty, but I also think that maybe it's going to be tough to reintegrate. Yeah. Both things yeah both things are gonna be wild we'll see yeah it, there's gifts um, in both it's caused us it's been mm-hmm. a lot of, it's we've had time to sit with ourselves and there's been there's room and there's for growth and great introspection i think a lot of people you know have been able to sort of delve deeper delve deeper into the self and kind of work out what it is we want what's important to us yeah. what relationships are important how much human contact is important and to value those experiences when we do have them but it's also nice to just take a breath, to have that space to take a breath. You know, look at the whole BML thing. Right. Um, that would have that social global justice that's happening at the moment um, would never have happened. It never would have happened. We're really sort of questioning the powers that be and holding a torch and them a light up to them and not them and making making them listen. And that, you know, and that's born out of this horrible pandemic. That's one of the gifts of it. Um, I think my cousin was saying there's been more suicides than there has been deaths, suicides or deaths, deaths by suicide, sorry, rather than uh, as opposed to COVID. You know, the, the numbers are really high at one point um, in the UK. Uh, I don't know how long that period was, but they were doing the maths. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's the ship hop. Of what's going on here? I personally have missed it. I I had that beautiful time in LA, and then I came back um, to London. I spent a little time here, then I was in Spain, and so I've missed the major lockdown moments. Everything seems seems mm. opened up when I in the country that I've been in. So in Spain, we were out and we were dining, and a couple of weeks ago, I was like sipping margaritas at ten o'clock and at twelve midnight, oh, you know, wow. and went raving with my dog. Like so. Yeah, I've missed the whole suppression of lockdown. I've been quite fortunate, but there's those who are literally on their own, on their freaking own all the time. That would send me crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it is a lot. It's hard. It's a lot. It's a it's a friend worth checking on to. It's like this is it. We've got to keep keep pals. Keep in touch with each other. Keep reaching out. You just never know where people are at. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. 
We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. So I want to pivot because yes, I want to ask, I want to make sure that we talk about this. Um, I am curious about your experience as an actor mm. with, I mean, I will say this, like, we're not necessarily doing the same thing gender presentation wise. Um, and I just don't know, like, do people want you to have different hair? Do they comment about keeping your sexuality private? Like, what is that like for you? Does that stuff come up? Um, with regards to my hair, it's actually the reason I get cast in the roles that I do get. You know, I thought, oh, I'm going to have to wear a wig. I had really long, straight, relaxed hair. I had what they call, if you ever watch Chris Rock's good hair, I had good hair, you know. Um, and I shaved it off when I was 23, I think. Yeah, I was 23 um, when I shaved my hair off. And uh, with the intent of growing it back natural, just having an afro, and I saw my head and I loved it. And also because I couldn't hide behind Yeah, you got a good head. Hair and, yeah, I got a good head. <laughs> I couldn't you hide do. behind it anymore because this, this facade, I just wanted to wipe away this facade, you know. Um, I remember speaking to my current agent and they said, no, 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 don't do any photos with wigs. I was like, oh, but I'm not going to get any work. And he was adamant, no, don't do that. And so I didn't. And actually the roles I've got and the caliber of roles I've got has been because I'm this, this bear, you know, this bald head. And that's far more popular. In terms of my sexuality, I, for a long time, only up until this year, really, I didn't talk about my sexuality. I didn't talk about my kids. My private life was really just that. I wanted to keep it very separate. And it's only through dating my ex-partner who it were, uh, a uh, gay activist uh, for South Asians um, made me realise that there are not a lot of there's not a lot of representation of women of my age um, who are black women of my age who are out there in the media um, who are queer and where is that representation in the same way as being a young girl and want uh, and wanted to be an actor and not seeing black actors on my screen in London it might be it was like an extra supporting artist and getting really excited because someone had one line you know as a black person where was that representation or so where is the representation of an older black British woman who is queer within this culture my folks were fine with it but they're for many people it's a struggle and I think that needs to be seen so it's it almost gives permission to people who are perhaps struggling with their um, sexual orientation, you know? Uh, and so I'm going to sort of pivot back to the question. I hope this answers the question. So, yes, so uh, um, in terms of being out in, uh, with career, it's never harmed my career. I have done some queer programs and I went, right, I'm not doing any more of those for a while because I don't want to be boxed in or typecast, you know? So I've been quite mm -hmm. specific about when I choose to do stuff. But in the same breath, if I'm only playing a police woman or someone works for the law, then I'll, I'll change that up as well because you no know, one ever wants to be boxed. Or well, my team will make sure that I change that up. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I want to ask you when you said that your folks were fine with it, but other folk, other people don't have that situation. Yeah. Are, are you talking specifically um, like within the area that you grew up, the culture that you grew up or, or London or where? No, I'm what talk- specifically, specifically are you talking, talking about? about the black community in terms of whether you're African-Caribbean or you're from, uh, you know, or some African communities. I'm talking about my friendship circles and speaking to, you know, I don't think there's been. I have, and I've had a few girlfriends. <laughs> um, there hasn't been one who hasn't had a problem coming out to their folks. Um, actually, no, I'm lying. One, one trans man, Campbell X, amazing filmmaker, like absolutely amazing cast filmmaker, first of his kind, um, but who haven't had a problem. You know, their parents haven't had a problem with it. They've been deeply religious or, you know, it's just not the done thing. Um, right. And so I thought, well, what about those people? All my exes, what about if they had somebody? What about if their parents had somebody that their parents could see? Oh, this person's older and queer and it's from the same community, same generation as you, you know? Um, then perhaps that yeah, rise absolutely. of transition would have been easier for them. I don't know. I just think visibility is really important. And so that's why I'm now yeah. deciding to talk about it. Yeah. Right. I'll be open we, we, in any case, just, just to be open, like, you know. So your your family is African Caribbean? Uh, yeah, yeah. We're from Jamaica. Number one, that's awesome. Uh, because Jamaica's a beautiful place. Right? Um mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh but also, um I just happened to know a little bit about the intense homophobia that also uh happens there. Yeah. And or at least that it's a culture that is really struggling with that. Um does your, do you still have family that live there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Whereabouts? Where, where oh, I'm from the country from? or from West Milan. Oh, I have Westmoreland. Westmoreland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that also, um, you know, I don't know that, I mean, I, I don't know that uh, generally in the queer community, we talk specifically about like the, African Caribbean, Black Caribbean experience, as opposed to like a, I mean, especially in the U.S., African American experiences. I think so much more. Um, it was like such a more spoken about, um, and then like the Black Church, but the Black Church here in the U.S. Like mm. I think that is sort of one frame framing, mm. um, and it it is a pretty different. I mean, I I don't need to tell you, but it's a pretty different cultural. Yeah, identity to yeah. be to have like Caribbean roots, um, and weirdly, I have I cannot believe that this is true. But the first place I ever kissed a woman was in Jamaica. Um, hey, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to pick up on that though because I mean the media and it is there is, there are it is homophobic, but there's also a great acceptance and a great love as well. And of course, that's never prepared. Uh, well, tell me about that in, in the media as well. I mean. And especially, I think it's easier for sure for for lesbians, you know. Um, oh, really? Yeah, than it is for the gay guys, but gay men and and trans men and trans women, you know, just trans will stop. Um, so yes, while we we always the, obviously news is news, right? You're going to report the extremes of of some place, and Jamaica is such a small island, but. Um, 
in the same breath in terms of local communities and elders, you know, uh, there is also an acceptance as well within some communities um, and a love uh, and support, you know. I mean, that is, is like, that that's is really that. good to hear. Mm. You know, I think that some of the stuff that I um, am talking about is, and we have this in the U.S. too, is when it when like homophobia makes its way into popular music i mean yeah because i i just remember hearing some of that stuff like oh man uh, i mean and you're funny because some of the gay clubs here right there's some tunes that are just bangers like they're just bangers and some of the (laughs) some of the black gay spaces i remember being in a dance back in i don't know mid-2000s and i think it was i can't remember what artist i saw but it's a reggae song like a dance or reggae song and it's talking about Chichiman, Bonafaya Pan Chichiman, but it was such a good melody. And they were playing it in this gay club and all the gay guys are winding up and dancing to it. I was like, this is just fucking ironic. But I understand because the tune, the melody is a banger. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's literally... The, I stopped listening to, I grew, I love reggae music. It's, it's, I love roots reggae music. It's, you know, my soul music. And I used to love dance to music, but I stopped listening to it for its violence and because it was homophobic. I, for many years, I stopped listening to it. And now there's more choice in terms of dance or music, you know, and and because it was so freaking patriarchal and it's just like, I'm, you know, and that's not my world. And it's not the Jamaica that I know either. Yeah. So, but yeah, you know. I mean, I suppose that that's what I was like, just one thing that I, you know, when I was like, oh, this is something that I was surprised by when I first was hearing this. But, but we, I mean, the, the U.S. certainly... Well, to me, what is actually wild is that there are folks like Lil Nas X who, like, using a, a, a style of music that I think previously, it's like, we just knew as Americans, it's like, this is, these might be like, <laughs> like, these are hits. Yeah. And we will listen to them, but they will make us feel terrible. You know, like, yes. and, and I think that that was sort of the assumed identity for a long time. And I was surprised to find it, it like specifically in Jamaica as well, because I think that um, there are some places where a sentiment might be like more underground. Yeah. Um, but I think the U.S. is one place where it was definitely not underground. Yeah, yeah. It's just why this way. Because um, religious, because, you know, you think about it, what is the religion? Mm-hmm. It's Christianity. You look at the history of the place, it was, <laughs> I mean, these people were Christian and the freaking English and the Germans that enslaved them. They just say they really carried that, you know, that was that indoctrination. They forgot their old, or they were robbed of their of their religions and their customs. You know, if you look at Africa and look at the history of queerness in Africa, it's fucking wild. But you have to really dig to find out that history. It's not the story that we're told, the lie that we're told, actually. You know, um, Campbell X has a, a beautiful short film if you go on his Insta and, 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 and talks about the different countries within Africa and their queer culture and the matriarchal cultures within that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's such a, that is such a, that is such an important part. And, you know, I, I think about this all the time because so I grew up like super Catholic and realizing is actually partially um, spent a small amount of time in Jamaica, saw who owned the coastal land, saw who didn't own the coastal land. The church owns a shit ton of coastal land yep. in Jamaica, yep. which is like, it's like senior frogs, but then next to it is the Jesuits, like a, an order, a Catholic order that are supposed to be for standing for social justice and for 
um, you know, socialism actually, and like distributing, you know, wealth equally or whatever. And they own coastal land um, in Montego Bay, which is wild, like, especially Montego Bay. And you're like, coastal? Like, you need this to be coastal, you know, and and who has the ability to swim? Like, who even knows how to swim? It, 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 you know, for such a small, for such a small island. And it's the same here, obviously. It's the same in the U.S. But I just think that, like, again, it's similar to going to Hawaii um, and getting, I think that colonialism is just like a little pressure because it was, you know, Jamaica was gained independence in, in the, in 79 or something like that? No, I know 79. I think I 60, I can't remember. 64 well, or whatever. Yeah. And so it's, it's like Research. here, it's just, in terms of history yeah, of life, here it's, it's just been steeping longer. Yeah, yeah. It's just been steeping longer. Yeah. So it's not, it's just a different like iteration of seeing the way that specifically religion has like crushed cultures and processed cultures. Well, that's the whole, the whole, the the whole history of America is that, you know, that the whole, (laughs) which is why Trump made me love. It's like, no, it's like, y'all are immigrants, man. Y'all are immigrants. All the fucking, all the, apart from, you know, the same people that you're, you're building walls to keep out. It's their motherfucking land. It's their land. You came over Right, with the Spanish Inquisition, the British, and you came over, you decimated them. You know, it was a, it was a genocide. You, you killed them all out. You stole their land. You built them up, and then you say, "Fuck off! You don't want them back in your land." And you use religion to do that. Yes, the history absolutely. of the Spanish Inquisition and converting to Catholicism. You know that people, you know, the natives wanted to assimilate to to escape persecution, and it was no different in the Caribbean. Or in, in or in Africa, and these are the legacies that we're living with. Yeah, it's also not different in, um, you know, the indigenous cultures that that survived in the U.S., which mm. it's such a reduced number and corralled into tiny plots of land. But then on those land, on that land, are still, you know, next to the casinos are churches and Christian churches. So, so, you know, it just is. For me, when I, I do think that when I talk about queerness, for me, the intersection with specifically the colonialism that has run Christianity as a financial institution, yeah. like those things are not, you can't, you can't like separate them out. And it's no, you can't. I mean, and it's the ugly past and present, unfortunately, of, 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 of that favor of Christianity. And there's some beautiful aspects of it too, Damien, you're wrong. You know, damn, Jesus was a, Dope dude, man. You know, he was an all right dude. He was cool, <laughs> man. Like, I would love to chill with this brother. Um, <laughs> and so, there's a lot of people yeah. when you take the religion back to its God, we're talking about religion and politics. Um, <laughs> did you think we were going to get here? That's what I was going to say. Did you? It's 51 minutes in, and we, I mean, I think we're what we've done is fixed, fixed it. We fixed the world. Well, I've, yeah, it's clear to me. <laughs> <laughs> then this is what was necessary. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, there's this beauty in all, in all religions when we strip them down to their core. Just man will twist mm. and corrupt everything to get his own way, unfortunately. The few, very few, very few, I think. I'm just going to ask, so first of all, 
Yes. For listeners, what happened was we got so serious that there was actually a power outage in the entire city of London. <laughs> and we broke the power <laughs> grid with our um, <laughs> solutions because the powers that be don't want us to speak the truth. Um, mm-hmm. That's got to be what Preach. just happened. <laughs> um and uh, oh, this has been God. a wonderful conversation, and I'm I'm frightened that we will mm. be cut off again. So I want to make sure to ask you the question yes. I ask everybody who's on the show, uh, All right. which is, uh, if you could sh- for you to shout out a queero. So this is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you could be who you are today. Um, so do you have a queero that you would like to shout out? I I I think I'd have to shout out Russell T Davis. Russell T. Davis and Campbell X. Definitely those two people have been instrumental. They're my crew rows. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I'm going to make sure to, I think we should wrap it up right here before I yeah. lose you again. One thing that is wild is that it is hard to do these via Zoom. But one thing that is amazing is I can't believe I can speak to you from my home in Los Angeles to your home in London so easily. It is, it's so amazing. It's amazing. Thank you for your time today. And Oh, no, thank you for having me. It's been yeah. lovely to have you. And I, I could, we could, I could have chatted on to the hills. It's been I know, I felt the same way. You are a pleasure. I can't wait to meet you in a time when people can meet each other again. <laughs> yes, let's have cocktails on Melrose. You bet. Let's do um, that. And Amanda and I are going to go to the village. So, you know, you can join us. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs>